Uh, we are in Colossians, and it is fifth Sunday, which means family worshiping, which means all the kids are in here with us. And so I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to stay in Colossians, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to adjust my sermon a little bit. I brought my suitcase today, and I threw a bunch of clothes in it. Thank you, Corbin. I threw a bunch of clothes in it because um, y- you know you always you always want to dress for success, right? You always want to dress for success. And a guy back in uh, 1975 named John Malloy wrote a book called Dress for Success. Actually, that's where, that's where I think the term originally came for, from. And it was really a guidebook on how to dress in the workplace to be successful. And the premise of his whole book was, if you want to be successful, you need to dress that way. And the way you ought to dress is to dress like your boss. Yeah? And so you should, you should look as good or better than your boss. In your dress. And so whatever route he goes, that's, or she, that's the route that you'll want to go, okay? You'll want to match their attire. So if it's casual, then you want to go casual. If it's very formal, then you want to go formal. Spiritually speaking, the Bible tells us that we're to dress for success as well. And a couple different times, Paul uses language about items that we need to put on, like we would put on clothes, okay? And so spiritually speaking, Christians are told in the Bible, kids, to dress for success. Now, do you know what the Bible says we're to wear? No? Well, we're going to talk about it today. Now, I brought a bunch of stuff, and I was going to put it on today, but since Grady's here, I'm going to make him put it on. So come on up, Grady. I'll get you a stool here. Nice high one so everybody can see you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. I don't peek. I'm going to put you over here so everybody can see you real good. Sit up there. Colossians 3, verse 12 is where we left off. The Apostle Paul has already told us that there are some things in our Christianity that, that we have to get rid of, that we have to kill off, he said in chapter 3, first of all. But then there are also some things that, like those old filthy garments that have gotten dirty from, from a lot of work and, and no washing, we need to cast those things away and don't dig them out of the trash can and put them back on again. He gave us six things that were to take off. Do you remember what they were? Verse 5. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Those are items like old filthy rags and clothes that we're to take off and burn and get rid of. Don't go digging back out of the trash. You're a Christian. You have a new outfit to wear now. Don't wear those old clothes anymore. And we talked about how sometimes we, we, we feel comfortable in those old clothes and they're broken, and even though they're dirty and nasty, it's kind of like that old hat that you had from college guys that you still want to wear because it just fits right. And it's all, even if it's a white hat, it's all black and it's just sweaty and nasty and salty, right? And our wives try and throw that hat away. Mine has uh, electrical tape around the band because it's broken several times. You've got to just tape it together, right? We want to we keep that old stuff, but we've got to get rid of it. Paul says, spiritually speaking, there's some things... In our old man that we have to cast off, we have to take off, burn and get rid of, never bring them back. Last week he started to tell us there, on the contrary, there's some things in our Christianity that we need to put on, some new garments, some new clothes that God gives us that we can put on. The first thing he talked about last week was this idea of equality, and that's where he started, that we should, we should, we should put on this, this concept of equality, and there's a phrase at the end of last week's verse that I didn't spend as much time on as I probably should have. But here was, here was probably the most important phrase in Colossians 3 for the verse we talked about last week. And pastor has to find it first, verse 11. 
There is a renewal which takes place as we are being recreated in the true image of the one who created us, verse 10. A renewal is taking place in which there is no distinction now between Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. And the last phrase he used to sum up that whole teaching was, but Christ is all and in all. And what that means is, and why that is an important phrase is because here's essentially how he summarizes the teaching on equality. If Christ is in us, then Christ is all that matters. And so it doesn't matter what else you bring to the table, what race, color, or creed, what history, what baggage, what religion you've come out of. If Christ is in you, when you walk in here, that's all that matters. There are no reserved seats. There is no JV and varsity Christianity. There's no first string and second string. There's no VIP section in God's house. If Christ is in all, Christ is all that matters. All right? Today he's going to give us seven more items to put on. You ready? Seven more items, starting in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, that's us. He's going to give us some reality here. For those who have been chosen of God, that's everyone who is in Christ. Holy and beloved, by the way. Notice what Paul thinks of the Christian. Nothing second rate in Paul's mind. He says we're holy, which means we're set apart for God, for his special use, and we are beloved. It's what he calls his son, his beloved son who was crucified for us. All right, so that's how Paul sets up this verse. And now he's going to say, put on, verse 12, a heart of, and he's going to give us seven things. The first thing he's going to say is we need to put on a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion. So I got some items here, and I just put in a bunch of random stuff, and uh, I'm going to have to figure out something that communicates maybe a heart of compassion, all right? That'll fit you, Grady. You ready? Let's see. Heart of compassion. Let's see. There's some good stuff in here. Do you know what compassion means, first of all? Compassion means, in the Greek and also in our word, it's compassion. It's kind of a compound word. Passion itself literally conveys the idea of pain. So it's the idea of being with pain. And so when Paul calls us, when God calls us to be compassionate, it means that when we're around someone else who's in pain, that we would be in pain with them. We are with their pain. We feel their pain, right? You ever wonder why at, uh, at Easter they call it the passion of the Christ? Or uh, at the celebration of the crucifixion and resurrection, that they call that season the passion of Christ? It's kind of a weird name for, for the crucifixion of Jesus, right? But that idea of passion means pain. That's why it's called the passion of the Christ. So uh, for any of those who have compassion, what can we put on here? How about this? Is this any compassionate folks? Anybody feeling my pain? Jeff, feeling our pain this year? No, we won't put that on. Compassion. Um, I got something probably better in here. Let's try this, Grady. Compassion reminds me, and he's talking about the heart, it reminds me of, you know, uh, something pink or red. So we're going to start off with this, all right? Arms up. Is this all right for you to wear? All right. Real men wear pink. It's clean. Don't worry. So now we've put on a heart of compassion so that our hearts towards other people would be with their pain. If they're in pain, we're in pain. As we are all in Christ, we feel each other's pain. There's a couple uh, proverbs that I won't, I won't take you to right now, but there are a couple proverbs that are, that are kind of entertaining where the writer of Proverbs says, basically, don't come singing glad songs if I'm down in the dumps. And the guy who does that, well, he calls them a couple names. Don't be the guy that comes around with a glad heart and joyous when someone else is low. The idea is that when we bring compassion to the table, when we bring a heart of compassion, we, we 
kneel to their level if we need to. So number one, we need to put on a heart of compassion. Number two, what does it say? Kindness. Kindness. One man said that kindness is the working clothes of the Christian. Kindness. What do you think of when you think of kindness? I mean, what sort of what sort of activity do you think of when you think of kindness? You know, one of the things that uh, that always comes to mind when I think of kindness, it, it's one of those character traits that we all desire in the person we want to be. It's one of those character traits that we all desire in the spouse that we hope to have one day. It's one of the character traits that if you have kids, you want your kids to grow up and find someone who has kindness, right? Nobody wants their son or their daughter to marry someone who's un kind. When I think of kindness, uh, I think of my grandfather, and my grandfather always wore a flannel shirt, and so uh, let's put this on, Grady. We're going to put on kindness. It's kind of it's kind of warm and cozy, you know? This is mine. Yeah, it's clean, too. Put this one on. And so over, over, what's underneath? A pink shirt. You're not following along here. On over compassion, you're going to put on what? kindness and so now you're kind you're warm and you're cozy and you're just fluffy there i like it reminds me of my uh my grandfather so kindness so after kindness what does it say we are to put on next so those who have been chosen of god holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion kindness and what's the next word humility humility let's see what else we got in here that's not going to work for humility um let's see Shoot your eye out. That's not going to work either. Let's see what we got. Humility. Um, Here, this will work. Anytime I think of an old farmer or just a good old boy, that's when I think of humility. Yeah? Some of those character traits that are lost on younger generations, maybe. So maybe the good John Deere hat's a good sign of humility. You know what humility means? It means low mindedness. Low mindedness. It's the idea that you you don't put yourself on a pedestal. You don't think too high-minded of yourself. That you're not so lofty, that you're not so uppity, that you're way up here and everyone else is down here. Is that a good character trait? I think so. So on top of compassion, put... What's on top of compassion, Grady? Kindness. In addition to kindness, we put on humility. Humility. The next word in your scripture may be translated meekness. In my translation, the New American Standard, I think on your screen, it's going to say gentleness. Gentleness. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. Gentleness or meekness. And so, in order to convey gentleness, I always think of treating each other with, with like kid gloves that we would be soft and tender with one another, that we would, not, we would not be harmful towards one another, but we would be gentle. So i got a pair of gloves for you to put on here, Grady. You getting warm yet? Slide in there, dude. Got some mittens. And so the idea here is, is that we are to treat each other with tenderness, with meekness, with gentleness, with kid gloves. We're to be soft towards one another, gentle towards one another. What's the next one? So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And patience, he unfolds in in verse 13, patience is the idea of bearing with one another. It's the idea of being forbearing, patient, 
bearing with one another. Now that word bearing, it's a nautical term and it means to hold on, to grab your bearing, to hold your bearing. It's the idea of grabbing hold of something and not letting it go. And so in relationships, to be patient, to be forbearing, to bear with one another means that we don't let go of each other. Isn't that a good word? Then no matter what happens, we will be patient. We will bear with one another. That whatever's going on in someone else's life, we'll look at them with eyes that see not just the surface, but eyes that maybe see deeper. Eyes that understand. Eyes that are long-suffering and patient. So for patience, bearing one another, I got some sunglasses to check each other out. These aren't mine. These are your mom's. Oh, sorry. All right. There you go. Pretty cool. No, you couldn't use more. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and what do you got on now, Grady? Patience, which is bearing with one another. Now, not only do we hold on to one another and not let go. Now he's going to say just the opposite. There are some things we do have to let go. So we hold on, but we also let go. What do we let go of in verse 13? And forgiving each other, and here he unpacks that, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive. So forgiveness, what can we put on for forgiveness? Forgiveness here is the idea that, that as he unpacks it, is that we, were, we are to remember that we have been forgiven ourselves. Forgiveness might be one of the more difficult ones, and maybe that's why he gives it a little more explanation, a little more unpacking. Because forgiveness is just, it's against our old nature, isn't it? If someone offends us, our natural reaction is to offend back. If someone offends us, if someone hurts us, if someone wrongs us, our natural reaction, based on the old man's habits, is to lash out back against them. There's something in us that believes that if, if we don't lash out against them, then the cosmos will spin out of control. If we don't make things right, if we don't, if we don't justify the situation in our returning wrath, then somehow things just aren't right in the world. But God says that that job is His and His alone. Right? And so forgiving is our job. It's our duty. Now notice this. God forgives, no, forgives us by His own pleasure. We are commanded to forgive. We don't have an option to forgive. But because God forgave us by His own free will, just because of His own character, we now find the ability to forgive. Remembering what he's forgiven us of helps us to forgive others. And so what can we put on for forgiveness? I kind of think about forgiveness as sort of a laid-back attitude. And so I brought my Hawaiian shirt. Forgiveness is the attitude of just being a little bit chill and uh, just laid back. Then no matter what happens, you've got your eyes of patience on. Put your glasses on. There we go. And then you put on over that. Put your arms through. You got it? Stick your arm through here. What, this one? There you go. You've got this forgiving attitude. This laid-back, flip-flop spirit that says, you know what? Because I'm looking at you with forbearance, I can chill out a little bit. And I can forgive. And I can let it go. And so there's some things that we have to hold on to, and that's each other. That's patience. That's being long-suffering with each other. We, don't, we forbear. We grab hold, and we don't let go. But there are some things in our, in our Christian relationships we have to let go of. And that's the idea of forgiveness. One more. What does he say? 
bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against another, just as, and by the way, does this passage infer that that's going to happen? It sure does. The assumption here is that we will have trouble with one another. That's why we have to put on these, these new garments. That's why we have a new uniform to wear. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, verse 14, put on, what's the word? Say it. Love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So what can we put on that kind of conveys that over top of all this, pulling it all together, Grady, is love. And so I found mom's pink robe. So stand up. We're going to put this on over all of it. I'm on fire. There you go. There you go. So this is going to represent love, that, uh, that over all of those, whoa, hold on, over all of those things, we're going to put on love. And it's going to bind, it's going to unite all the other attributes together. So the idea here is, it's almost like Paul says, if you've got the love down, guess what? All the other stuff will take care of itself. If you've got to focus on one, focus on love. Love is the prime attribute of who? Of God Himself. God is what? Love. What is the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. So love binds together. Spurgeon even said, he said, you've got to have more than just the two people in the relationship. You've got to have that third element. And that third element doesn't just tie things together. It actually causes things to cohere and join together. And that's what love does. Now, you getting hot over there, boy? Not yet. Yeah, hold on. Beyond all these things, verse 14, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then he says something interesting here in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So let me explain what this means real quick. The peace of Christ is said to need to rule in our hearts. The word hearts there is plural. It's talking about all of our hearts because we're talking about how we interact with each other. This uniform we wear is the uniform we wear so that we can work together. And even after love, Paul says we've got to have this attitude in our hearts, in our souls, that we allow the peace of God. It's not just the peace with God. That's another sermon for another day. But the peace we have with God causes us to have this peace of God between each other. Hearts is plural there. And it says something interesting. Let that peace of God Rule in your hearts. That's each of us. And so I brought a whistle, coach's whistle. Put this on. Don't blow it because it's really loud. Unless Mr. Vic falls asleep, then you can blow it. The word he uses here for rule is the word that could be translated arbiter. Okay? And if this were just for the grown-ups, I would leave it at that because maybe you understand that in a legal sense, an arbiter. For the rest of us, maybe you might understand it better to understand this word as that of a referee or an umpire because that's, that's exactly what Paul would convey here. The peace of God is meant to be in all of our hearts and between our hearts an umpire or a referee. Kids, do you know what a referee or an umpire does during a sports match or game? He's the guy who says that was right or this is wrong. He lets the teams compete and do their jobs, but every now and then he has to step in and say, that's wrong. You've stepped out of bounds. You've gone out of line. That's an illegal play. You can't do that. That's the exact, that's the exact picture that Paul's painting here. 
Even after all that we've put on here, even after all these new garments, even being united in love, Paul says, take the peace of God and let it rule in your hearts. Let it be the umpire among you. Is that needed in the church of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. We're not always warm and fuzzy. We're not always kind. We're not always gentle. We're not always meek or humble. Sometimes we toss these garments off for the old garments. Sometimes we take off the hat of humility and we put on that old junky, nasty hat and we lash out. Sometimes, sometimes we need an umpire to step in. And Paul says the umpire between us, between our hearts, is the peace of God. Now there's a play on words here. Hang on with me. The play on words is that there used to be a term when Paul wrote this called the Pax Romano. In Rome during that time, it was a common term known that if you were born and raised, if you were a citizen of Rome, no matter where you went, you could not be punished for any crime. You had to be sent back to Rome. You might remember in the New Testament that a couple times Paul appealed to this rule because he was a Roman citizen. And so he was, he was caught, he was convicted, and they were about to beat him, and he would say, hold on. Uh, let me remind you that I'm a Roman citizen, and they would let him go for fear of what retribution Rome would have against them for punishing a child of the Roman kingdom. And so Paul picks up on that language, and he says, not Pax Romano, but he says this is, in essence, the Pax Christos. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So what's the idea? The idea is we're all children of the great king and his kingdom. And any judgment... Any judgment that falls down on this child has to come from above. It's not our job. We have no jurisdiction and we have no right. There is a peace that comes from God that rules, that umpires, that referees in our hearts. What do you think about these clothes that we're to put on? For you, they're a little bit hot right now, right? And they don't really fit very well, do they? Some of them are a little too big. Some of them don't seem to really be our style. You could take them off, Grady. But it occurred to me that that's kind of how we sometimes feel spiritually as well. It may be that kindness and gentleness or meekness, one or the other, maybe some of these don't always fit you, do they? Maybe sometimes you'd rather go back to some of those old garments that you used to wear. But Paul says, cast them off, take them off, and leave them in the trash. Even though these new garments may not seem like they fit you, these are the garments God says are your new uniform. Amen? And maybe some of us, as represented here by this, maybe some of us need to grow into these things. Maybe kindness or compassion, maybe gentleness, maybe these things don't fit quite right. And we would love to just throw them off. Maybe they feel a little stuffy. Hold your shirt here. Arms up. No, you can't blow the whistle. But our job is to put them on. Our job is to make them fit and fit comfortably. You know what I could have done is I could have gone in the back and got one of our white baptismal robes and put it over all of this. Because God sees us how? White as snow. Completely covered, washed. Old garments are gone. And Paul now is calling us to live as who we truly are. That's what it it looks like to put on the uniform of the new man, of the Christian. 
Pray with me. Dear Lord, I, I ask that you would um, give us some insight into what it means to put on the character traits of holiness and righteousness, to change our hearts, Lord, to give us hearts of kindness, compassion, meekness, mildness, humility, Father. Give us hearts that are forbearing and patient and forgiving. Father, give us kid gloves. Give us eyes to see each other the way you see us in truth. Father, help us to always remember that, um, that there is an umpire even on the bad days. And the umpire is the peace that we have with you, from you. Lord, I pray that that peace would permeate this body of Christ and that it would be evident to those who, who watch us whether we realize it or not, we, we put on a uniform every day, a spiritual uniform, and we, and we go to work. We live out our Christianity every day. And so, Lord, um, might this illustration be a reminder that, that you have new, fresh clothes for us. Lord, help us to keep the old clothes in the trash. In Jesus' name, amen.